I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan, your guest host, and uh, we are tackling something today that is been in the news a lot over several years. It's still in the news a little bit. We covered it back a few episodes ago, sexual abuse in sports. And so we'll link to that show if you want to go back to that um, or, or look back on, on our episodes for that. But but today we're joined by Danny and Krista who were in that episode, who are members of the DASA staff who deal uh, uh, with abuse in so many different ways and, and help survivors become survivors, uh, not just, you know, not, not just victims, I guess. I hate to say that word like that, but that's what we do, right? We ter- help them find their survivor path. So Krista and Danny, thanks for joining us uh, today for this episode. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And so we talked about sexual abuse in sports and how prevalent it is. And we talked about some examples, but then we, we've heard some questions about, well, how do I, how do I screen for coaches? How do I make sure this doesn't happen to my kids? How do I make sure this doesn't happen to me? So let's Let's unpack that a little bit, um, but let's start first with uh, abuse in sports. How, I mean, gosh, we see the news stories, but how prevalent is it really? Well, unfortunately, any, any part in this world, as we know, being sexual assault advocates or sexual assault therapists, is every single part of, of the world and of society can be touched by sexual assault, no matter what your gender is your sexuality, your income bracket, everything, any, anything is susceptible to sexual or, you know, physical, emotional, mental abuse. But um, it's prevalent in sports because there is some, there's a power dynamic when it comes to coaching that is inherent. It can make championship teams. It can also spit out lives and destroy the, the entire team. Um, and, when we look at sexual abuse, it's, it's just everywhere, especially in sports because of that. Yeah, I really like that you pointed out that power dynamic between coach and athlete because it's such a unique relationship that you have. It's different from um, a student-teacher relationship. It's different from pair of parents. Um, and there's and a lot of times coaches become those safe, trusted adults. Mm-hmm kids and teenagers um, go to to talk to about things not just about the sport and so I think it's it's important to um, when we are looking at different type of coaches that we're really looking at the style of the coach um, the culture of the the team we're looking at the sport um, um, because there is that power dynamic and the coach has a lot of influence and not just in the sport 
and how they're coaching the sport, but also kind of like on the outside, um, how to handle those situations with kids that are coming and talking about, you know, different personal in their personal lives. Yeah. In their life. Like these could be a coach can be the biggest role model in your entire in your entire career. Like, I mean, I've had pivotal coaches that have pushed me on to be a professional coach, to be, um, to be a professional runner. And, but just think about if there's a bad coach that shapes your perception of what the sport is. I mean, it can absolutely ruin the love that you had for that sport and, and be a huge impact or trauma on your life. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the influence that that coaches have because of that relationship. And, you know, I think sometimes it comes down to how close is too close. So what are, what are some things that you would look for in a coach that would tell you this is a coach that um, is going to be a great coach in the running world? Well, in, in the running world specifically, I mean, every sport's going to be different. So we should preface that, it, you know, gymnastics, swimming, uh, golf, volleyball, like each has their own culture. Um, we were kind of talking about that. but And each has their own set of dynamic exceptions and, you know, you know, difference in, 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 in rules and, and things like that. But, but the clear-cut thing, and we need a consistent um, – we need a consistent – protocol for coaches. And, and when I look out for coaches who could abuse, I'm looking for, um, the, I'm looking for that, the culture where they, that athletes may exclude their own members or bully, that athletes may suffer from panic attacks or high anxiety. Athletes may be experiencing eating disordered or reds, but uh, team culture or coach could be influencing these behaviors in a certain, and certain sports that demand a certain physical advantage to gain, to gain that. Um, like in, in gymnastics, like when you watch athlete A, one of the athletes was like sick with like the stomach flu, correct me if I'm wrong. And she like lost like six pounds and she, they were like, oh good, now keep the weight off, which is absolutely horrible culture and perpetrates eating disorder behavior, which, you know, females in athletics sometimes have such a hard time with. And, and there's already energy deficiencies without even trying. Um, sometimes these people, these kids are practicing eight hours a day and not eating enough. Um, but in truly, but in what culture is sexual abuse evident? It can occur in any and all culture in any sport. Culture can make teams right and destroy themselves. And the sexual abuse can manifest anywhere, but really having those screening procedures, which we'll talk about is, is going to be key. Um, when you're entering your kid in, or you're going to be a college athlete, or you're going to be at the youth level, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, and I, I think that um, part of what you're looking at is that you're looking at how coaches are responding to injuries, how they're responding to, um, you know, any in any sport, you're going to have hard practices. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to um, not do what you're being asked to do sometimes you're tired or whatever else and so in those moments how is your coach responding because if your coach is responding with verbal or physical um, abuse or you know anything like that that is not okay and and I think um, especially in the sport of gymnastics when you start at a very usually you start at a very young age and we're talking about children those kind of methods do not work for children and what it's going to do if you use that physical and that verbal abuse, it's going to, it has the ability to create lots of shame and, and, um, 
And gymnasts keep things internal anyways, because we're taught to teach emotion out. So it can create this dynamic as it's starting at a young age, growing up, you know, in the sport, if you continue with it. Um, and, and also it's really important for parents to play that pivotal role because, because they're kids and because you start at a young age, you don't really know what's right because they're adults that are taking advantage of that. And so to really like do your investigative work as much as you can, perfect, right? But to do some of that work to say like, this is what's gonna be safer for my kid as opposed to maybe something else. So just being that awareness of um, what does this gym look like? What does this club look like? Um, what are the styles of coaching with, um, with the kids? Um, you know, if you're going to games, like what is the coach, how is the coach acting in the game situation? Um, to look at all those things because those all are gonna give you signs yeah. what's really happening sometimes. Sometimes it's very subtle. So sometimes it's hard. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, we're talking, we start talking more about like sexual abuse specifically, but it's really, that's, I don't want, I don't want to diminish how horrific sexual abuse can be. Sexual abuse is one of the issues when it comes to power and control. It's not the only one. So physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, all of it. It's just abuse in sports. Really. It sounds like, huh? Oh yeah, this I mean psychological is, is sometimes even more diabolical in these in these cases because it, it like to have the mental trauma to unwind from that is is awful and I mean you see it all the time and that's it, it's not just female sports that sexual abuse is happening it's happening to males as well so I think people forget that and just psychological sport I mean. Think about even like I don't know. Did you do any sports, Dan, growing up? Yeah, I played football. Uh, I did. I played a little bit of hockey later on. So, but mostly. I mean, football. how many yep. times with your coach being like, you know, we need to go in there and, and tear them up and do? I mean, you're you're basically trying to destroy this other team, and it's, it can be psychological warfare. And you know, a little bit of that is okay. But as we're learning, um, again, that win at all cost and ruin the you know your athletes lives is is really coming to the forefront and there's a movement to end that and psychological sexual mental abuse um it, it needs to stop mm -hmm. when i was i mean from my personal experience you know i was really fortunate that my coaches growing up in rocket football um and even in a, you know high school football were i think much better tempered and didn't have that mentality you know i remember even at one point us as a team talking like chanting we're gonna kill them or you know something they were like no 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 stop mm -hmm. stop like this is not okay yeah. we're here to play and so i was yeah. really fortunate um but yeah i mean i can totally see where that happens especially in this day and age of so many elite teams or travel teams mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call them like like so much money goes into it so much effort and that's you have to be the best to get to that college level and on and on and it, there's just so much emphasis on it um yeah it can get twisted pretty quickly so so krista you're talking a little bit about like red flags what to look for let's go back to that a little bit you, you mentioned the subtle ones if i'm a parent and i'm putting my kid and my child in, into a sport what do you two look for in those kind of subtle red flags so I think one of them is um, 
a lot of a lot of it has to do with um, those subtle things. So gift giving is tending to be a little bit weird and it just it, by appearances by um, you know why is this kid getting something versus somebody else um, also going back to that power dynamic relationship that's a little it's not really something that um, really should be happening so if somebody is giving if your coach is giving an athlete a gift then I think that would raise <laughs> Um, sometimes it's about, um, spending extra time alone with an athlete, um, because, um, it was sexual abuse. Certainly there is a certain element of trying to isolate that person, um, and, and kind of like getting them off to the side type thing. So I think that's another one. Um, and, and if it's happening on a frequent basis, um, then that's, that becomes a little bit suspicious. So, Hey, like what's happening here, what's going on. Um, and I think sometimes, especially in sports, parents are sometimes, um, pushed away a little bit, which you need to a little bit, cause you don't want your parent interfering with your sport and the interfering with the coaching. And so sometimes, um, what happens is that parents don't start asking those questions or don't think that they can. But if it's something that's in your gut, that's something isn't right, like that's really important to listen to and to be able to talk to the coaches about, even, even if the coaches get a little bit nervous or, uh, you know, mad about that, but to really be able to feel like you can ask those questions um, if something isn't right. What mm. else do you think, Danny? Oh, sorry. That's no, okay. No, you're, you're fine. Danny, what do you think, you know, what else do you look for? in those red flags. And then also who, who do you talk to? You know, Krista mentioned, talk to the coach. Yeah. You so know. when you're screening the coach or the culture boundaries is exactly what Krista was, was on the money with. There must be boundaries between coaches and the athletes, not friends, not pals. There must be professionalism demonstrated. When I was an NCAA coach, I never had a coach or I never had an athlete in the same room as me with an, with a locked door, you know, with a closed door, or mm -hmm. I never, um, brought them, you know, would never show favoritism. If, if there was a, you know, a treat that I was giving out, it was to everybody. Um, there was never any, Oh, like I, I, you know, I want them to babysit my new baby. You know, I, you know, they, they need a summer job. No, like it is clear cut. I am your coach. That is a relationship we have. Um, that's just, that that's, that's going to absolutely help you with um, just eliminating the risk of other relationships and that grooming behavior we had, we seen in athlete a from, um, from the coaching staff or the PT, because we all knew what, you know, NASA was giving them treats and being nice to them because the, you know, their coaches were, didn't have that good culture behavior. So they trusted someone like NASA and he perpetrated on them just as you, know, just as the other coaches in the system was doing on, on those athletes. Um, Another symptom, too much control. Whatever the coach says goes about a magnitude of factors. Um, see if the coach gives the members of the team autonomy and authority and decisions. Like when I was a coach, I would give, hey, you guys, where do you want to run today? Like I wasn't a, um, you know, I wasn't a person who controlled all the decisions and what their athletic experience was. Um, too much time with a particular athlete and not the team. Uh, and then how the program deals with injuries and um, letting the parents be around those practice fields, those PT, those physical manipulations, the consent language of all staffers, including PTs, coaches, and administration. 
Um, except for like, you know, Chris is in gymnastics. She was telling me, you know, like if you're going to do this tumble move, like you need to make sure that like, you're, you're not saying, Hey, I'm going to catch you here. Like you just catch them. But if yeah. it's, Hey, I'm going to ice your calf because your calf is sore. I'm going to touch right here on that calf. And we're going to get that knot out. So you can run your, your race tomorrow. Is that okay to do? So consent language in that, um, title nine policies and procedures. Um, and remember not everything is college. Maybe it's youth football. Maybe it's, um, peewee soccer. Like these are not, again, the rules are going to be different and dynamic in each, in each sport program, but those policies and procedures, um, and look for a long standing history of abuse, like Michigan state, like a simple Google of the sexual abuse of blank will come up with articles or, you know, Google that coach's name to do your homework as a parent. Um, ask who the coach answers to because of power dynamics. Some coaches go unhinged with too much power. Um, and then ask how the team program deals with misconduct and allegations and how they can protect athletes and in a safe, secure way. So that's kind of what I got. Yeah. And, and is it when you begin to, if you begin to have these feelings, these, these gut reactions, you see these patterns, like, where do you start? Whether it's peewee soccer, rocket football, young gymnastics, you know, uh, uh, any kind of sport as a young person or whether it's college, where does a parent start this, you know, journey of stopping what they see? I mean, talk to your athlete. Um, I mean, have a conversation with them. When we talk to our survivors, we sit down and say, Hey, what's going on? They may not be completely honest with you because they're scared. They're scared of what's going on. There's fear. There's anxiety. There might be guilt, shame. There's like so many emotions, but start with them. I would say, um, and then try to get other people involved, like, um, that are above that coach and, and see what their policies and protocols are to move forward, to keep your child safe. Cause that's really important. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would just kind of add to that, um, as a parent being able to have conversations about sex and about, um, genitals and using the kind of language where we name parts and we don't use euphemisms. Um, and especially because in these situations, if, um, you're having a conversation with your kid and your kid knows the right body anatomy and they're saying, this is what happened and this is what I experienced. It automatically is going to clue the parent in into this is not appropriate and this is not okay. So, um, I, those conversations are very difficult to have. Um, and so as a parent, one of the first things, um, that you want to do if you're going to have that conversation is try to keep it casual. Um, don't react, try not to react, um, to what they're saying because, um, you want to get them to talk. You want to get the information. So just having that calm response, that calm demeanor, um, you really want to get that partnership with the kids. So you want to say, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, I'm going to be here with you. Um, and, and depending on what happens, um, you know, it could be a conversation with the coach. If it's just something that felt a little off, you can have that conversation. If it's happening with a coach or anybody else, um, if it needs to go to, um, you know, the police, then certainly um, you, you do that. You make that report. Um, and, and the great thing about, you know, so many of our agencies like ours, we're not the only one. So a lot of times there's going to be some support just for the family as well. If you need to go and make those kind of reports, there's going to be people that will hopefully help walk you through it um, to support you just like our agency would in that situation as well. 
Very good. And, you know, like we've said earlier, there's, there are a ton of coaches that are great and that if you say, go to them and say, look, this feels a little bit off. It may have been completely innocent. They may not realize it. They may not understand consent language up front, but they're willing to learn. Doesn't mean that they're all predators. Um, but gosh, there's so much power dynamic here that, you know, talking about it is so important. So thank you ladies both for, for being a part of that. Um, any final thoughts on abuse in sports and what parents can do? Yeah, Krista. I have one. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really important. So um, it's when I say understanding the culture of sport, what I really mean is to do your work to understand that sport. So whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's gymnastics, it's really important to understand what it is that that sport culture is really about. So when I say that, what I'm really meaning is, so gymnastics is, for example, is a very hands-on sport, number one for safety. Number two, sometimes you're making your body go into positions that it wouldn't normally do. So your coaches have to put you in those positions or they have to spot you. However, one of the things that is totally normal in the, in the sport of gymnastics is hugs. Um, one of the things that's really normal is um, to have a, a close relationship. Um, most top athletes are training 30 to 35 hours a day, which is basically a full-time job. So you're spending a lot of time with that coach. So by the very nature, you're, you have close relationships. So, and when I say gymnastics, I'm really talking about women's gymnastics because men's gymnastics is a little bit different. You usually start when you're older. Um, <clears throat> and so it's important to, to be able to recognize distinctions like that because that's specific to women's gymnastics. So when you're looking at um, this, this whole thing, of this culture, what you're really looking at is, okay, this is understanding um, the different like federations. So USA Gymnastics is one of them. So one of the things that they have since changed is you can actually go into um, their website and there's a list of coaches that have been banned from the sport. So, it, but it's understanding that um, previous to that, they did not have that, that was not in existence. So um, coaches were allowed to gym hop. So um, if you have that information as a parent, um, then it can help you give, have more insight into the kind of questions that you're asking when you go to a gym. So if something happens, what's the reporting policy? Where can I find this information? Um, if something's looking weird, because gymnastics coaching is going to look different from baseball. It's going to look different from soccer, just by the very nature. So when I say that culture, I'm, I'm meaning like the little nuances of what that sport involves. And I think that's really important because if you know that you're going to go into those situations a little bit with a little bit more understanding and knowing how to ask the right questions. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I, I love that piece, that accountability piece for the coaches who were gym hopping, who were not doing some, some good things to their sport athletes, like have that accountability piece. So that's, that is awesome that they have that. Um, we all sports have a lot of work to do. That's that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, that coaches need to get continuous training on sexual abuse, uh, psychological and mental abuse, and always be. If you want to be a coach, you're making your athletes the best at their craft. We need to be the best at our craft. 
Um, I know me and my husband have conversations about sexual abuse in sport all the time. And I get fired up because as a former coach, he's in the coaching world still. So um, I would definitely say keep having conversations. And if you're unsure about something, ask. And if you're a parent, also ask. Trust your intuition. And that athlete, if you are out there and something is happening, you are not alone. You have people that are here to support you. And whatever you're going through, you are so courageous and brave. And people like Adasis and other people that are involved in the athletic systems are here to support and listen to you. Very well said. You two are amazing warriors in this, in this fight for survivors. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. So if you are one of those athletes or you are anyone facing abuse or, or any kind of issues that you want to talk, our phone number 24-7 hotline is 800-828-2023. Everything's at dasis, D-A-S-A-S-M-I.org. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.